Al Jazeera podcast. The world is big enough for both the United States and China, the words of the U.S. Treasury Secretary during her visit to Beijing. But with the two superpowers continuously engaged in a trade war, is it really? And what exactly does Washington want from China? Hello, I'm Adrian Finnegan. This is the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help to define major global stories. Right, let's bring in our guests for today's program from China's capital. We're joined by Paul Triolo, Senior Vice President for China at global business strategy firm Albright Stonebridge. In the U.S. capital is Elizabeth Leras, founder and president of E. Leras Consulting, a research and analysis firm focused on the Asia-Pacific region. And also in Beijing, Andy Mock, Senior Research Fellow at the Center for China and Globalization Chinese Think Tank. A warm welcome to you all. Uh, Paul, let's start with you. What did you make of uh, Janet Yellen's visit to Beijing? Was it at least more productive than that of Anthony Blinken last month? Yes, I think it was definitely more productive. I think um, the, the number of visits uh, and with key officials that Yellen was able to, to obtain were pretty important. She met with Premier Li Chang. She met with very senior financial uh, managers of China's economy, including Yi Gang from the People's Bank of China, the, the finance minister. So I think just the, the, the fact that she was able to establish direct communication with the new economic team in Beijing was really important. Now, there weren't a lot of big deliverables, but I think just being able to sit down uh, with her counterparts uh, in, in Beijing, and for the first time, really, right, in, 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 during this administration, um, is, is a real significant achievement in itself, even though um, the, the expectations were low and there weren't necessarily concrete deliverables coming out of the meeting. So the fact that the meeting itself took place uh, and seemed to go very well uh, on both sides uh, is is a success. Elizabeth, would, would you agree with that? Was was the visit a success? What what were its aims? What was she sent there to do? Hmm. Okay, so I agree maybe about 50%. Um, yes, yes, Secretary Yellen was able to meet um, an impressive number of people in a short amount of time. She must be absolutely exhausted. And certainly the meeting was more cordial um, than Secretary of State Antony Blinken's meeting in, in Beijing. Um, there were not high expectations for this meeting, uh, the same as with Secretary Blinken's meeting. Expectations were, you know, kept pretty low. And that's because the purpose was to to resume regular channels of dialogue uh, between the United States and China um, after you know the relationship perhaps uh, hit a, a low point in Nader, you know after um, Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, Chinese support for uh, Russia's you know, invasion of Ukraine, the spy balloon, you know issue, the, a whole host of issues. And so um, you know President Biden very very clearly um, wants to improve relations with China, which is extremely important. So he's sending over Blinken, Yellen, and then John Kerry will go um, shortly uh, to talk about issues that are areas where we can have some agreement with Beijing. You know, the economy, everyone can agree on that we want to improve economic relations. That's not just a touchy political issue. And, and of course, with John Kerry going, talking about climate issues. And again, that's something that, you know, China and the United States can agree on. So as far as, you know, restarting uh, normal talks, meeting with, you know, the new economic people over in Beijing, in those terms, it was successful. Andy, what did the Chinese make of, uh, of Janet Yellen? 
do they trust her? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question, Adrian. Um, so I think first a little bit of context. Uh, since the early days of reform, China has had apprehensions and suspicions that the U.S. would sooner or later weaponize global public goods like the U.S. dollar, like sea lanes of communication, like access to technology, access to markets. And the last few years, unfortunately, have shown that those suspicions were not ill-founded. So I think while uh, Secretary of Treasury Yellen uh, has many soothing words for China, uh, I can't help but think of Ralph Waldo Emerson's uh, quote that your actions are so loud that I cannot hear your words, in that uh, the U.S. Uh, for the last few years certainly has taken actions that are quite at odds with uh, the more conciliatory words that we're hearing, uh, not only from Secretary of Treasury Yellen, but others in the Biden administration as well. So I think that talking is good. I agree with Paul. Uh, it's good that both sides are talking. But the real resolution uh, to this relationship will not be based on uh, more frequent communications. Okay. Paul, would you uh, uh, agree with that? Um, Elizabeth touched on it. How many more senior Biden administration officials will be sent to Beijing in, in the near future? Uh, and, and for what purpose? Are we, are we building, perhaps, towards, do you think, a Biden-Xi summit here? Is that in the pipeline? Uh Absolutely. We're building an on-ramp, if you will, to a notional Biden C summit on the margins of the APEC meeting in November. So that's really the goal here, at least at least one of the goals. This, this was uh, something that was also, uh, you know, this high-level cabinet, series of cabinet-level meetings was something agreed to the last time the two presidents met in Bali in November of, uh, of 22, uh, 2022. So, I mean, the the, the issues like the, the balloon uh, affair and other uh, visits to Taiwan by congressional delegations have certainly complicated things, but I think now we're back on a, a more clear guide, guide path uh, to November. Now, that said, there's still a lot of issues. I agree with, with uh, Andy. Um, there's a, a ton of issues on both sides. Um, just before Yellen's arrival, for example, China announced export controls on two critical minerals used in semiconductor production, gallium and germanium. Um, and on the U.S. side, of course, uh, there are there have been a series of export controls on Chinese companies over the last number of months. And then there's discussion of an outbound investment uh, mechanism, which Yellen uh, seems to have previewed for her Chinese hosts and characterized as very narrow. But of course, Beijing uh, is, is a little leery of, of uh, some of these measures the U.S. has taken and has characterized as narrow because they do have broader implications uh, for China's technology sector, for example, or for or for the economy. So I think they're up into up to the in the lead up to November. They're going to continue to be measures taken on both sides that are going to complicate um, what we've been calling this mini thaw uh, in the bilateral relationship. Uh, Paul, China's uh, premier said that China-U.S. ties can now see rainbows after a round of <laughs> wind and rain, which is. A pretty beautiful way uh, to, to, to put it. But is he right? Are we in for a, a, a period of, of calmer weather in terms of relations between uh, the two nations? Or uh, you talked about a mini thaw. Uh, are there so many um, things that, that could derail this that we'll, we, we could end up back in the deep freeze if we're not careful? I think that's a great question, and I think um, right now, um, if you get, coming out of the Yellen visit, I think you can see that there's clearly 
the will on both sides to try to make this uh, this mini thaw uh, in the relationship work at, at least until November um, when we would have this notional uh, Biden C summit. But I think there are forces on both sides that are that are intent on undermining this thaw. So you you see around the visit these high level visits, for example, a number of media media stories probably leaked by uh, forces on both sides trying to paint the other side as naive. Um, in trying to seek this this mini thaw, so I think I think my sense is that we'll probably uh, that, that relationships will be able to weather some of these uh, these tensions going into November. But then the question becomes what 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 is the substance of that summit? Where do we go from here? Uh, as we saw in the Yellen visit, China uh, pressed Yellen on things like tariffs on on some of the export controls. Um, so some of the really hard things in the relationship that neither side really seems to want to budge on. Um, and so it's hard to see uh, how we, we can continue to just have talk and, and dialogue at a high level and not have some major movement on both sides on some of the sort of core issues that are bedeviling the relationship. For China, for example, Taiwan is a huge issue. Uh, and, and we have lots of measures, for example, in the U.S. Congress to increase uh, military support for Taiwan. Um, we've had a, we'll have a series probably of congressional delegations going to Taiwan. So there are these very, very tough uh, strategic issues that that neither side really can or or will tackle due to domestic political pressures, um, and so I think the relationship, you know, for the moment will will be on this this more even keel. But there's none of the real underlying problems have been have been really seriously addressed in any of these uh, meetings, these high level meetings so far. Uh, Elizabeth Janet Yellen says that it is possible for the two nations to healthily coexist. Is that how the White House sees it, though? What happened to Biden's not-on-my-watch uh, statement mm -hmm. concerning the rise of China? Uh, and, and, and what impact is that going to have on, on any prospect of, of harmonizing relations between the two countries? Well, publicly, both sides, you know, Beijing and Washington want to say that we can coexist. You know, um, Yellen had used the term healthy competition uh, to indicate that uh, we're not enemies, we might be economic rivals. And so, you know, that's a natural situation um, when you have the two largest economic uh, powers in the world that there's, you know, she even said there's there's room uh, for the two um, countries to coexist in the world. And so she's saying things that are pleasing, of course, to Beijing's ear. And, and one of the reasons that she's over there now is because in Beijing, she is seen as one of the people who is more favorably disposed toward Beijing um, rather than perhaps some other people in Washington. And so she's saying things that, you know, that make Washington, you know, appear willing uh, to um, engage with China in certain areas. Now, there are there are issues in the U.S.-China relation that are really um, irreconcilable differences, you know, and as, as the other guests, you know, mentioned, you know, Taiwan, uh, South China Sea, the status of both of those are really irreconcilable. Um, you know, then there's the trade war and export uh, controls. Are those irreconcilable or can they be managed, right? Some of these issues are not going to be solved. Taiwan is an issue that cannot be solved because the United States and China see very, very differently on that issue. However, it does need to be managed. It is extremely important, not just, of course, economic-wise, because after all, businesses want a stable environment in which to do business, right? Um, but militarily, 
uh, these, these issues, these differences, if they cannot be resolved, must be managed. So there really is peace in the Indo-Pacific, uh, because if they're not managed well, then there's a possibility of um, you know, conflict between the United States and China. And Elizabeth, how much pressure is, is U.S. business putting on the administration over its relationship with China? Well, there's tremendous pressure on the Biden administration. Uh, you know, American businesses are obviously still present in China. Of course, they're a bit more skittish about the environment there um, after uh, China, you know, promulgated, went into effect the national security law. And also, you know, uh, Chinese authorities have been investigating some due diligence firms, including the American firms Bain & Company and Mintz Company. And, and, and uh, Yellen, of course, Secretary Yellen did bring up uh, those issues when she was in uh, Beijing. Of course, Goldman Sachs came out with a report just the other day, um, you know, flagging some of the problems in the Chinese banking industry. And they were uh, roundly criticized and taken to task by Beijing for essentially publishing information that was counter to China's best interests. So that has a real chilling effect on U.S. businesses. But if you were in China, yeah, you might, you know, expand your operations in some other country or move some of your operations to another place, Vietnam, Malaysia, Mexico, and what's called China plus one. But you're probably not going to pick up and move your entire factory. And two-way trade between China and the United States increased last year. Um, and so businesses, they still, they still see that they can make a lot of money despite the risks and 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 the lack of you know intellectual property protections there they still see there's money to be made so they want a smooth environment in which to do business that's just pragmatic that makes sense mm. to them andy what does china want from the us in order to make their relationship I hesitate to say more harmonious or, or, or productive, even perhaps less antagonistic is, is what I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking for here. How does China feel about investing political capital uh, into developing relations with an administration that may be, because there's an election next year, gone in 18 months? Yeah, and that's always the struggle, I think, dealing with the United States is that, in some sense, it's structurally incapable of honoring uh, any long-term agreements, Adrian. Um, but I think the issue here is that, from the Chinese perspective, uh, the U.S. behavior paints a cl pretty clear picture that the U.S. is looking to thwart China's growth uh, and development. So the question is, what is China doing in response to this? And I think its reaction is based on a very accurate reading of the prevailing power dynamics. So uh, China always has been committed to working with any country, including the United States, on the basis of mutual respect and respect for sovereignty. But I think starting March 2021 at the Alaska meeting, we can see a sea change where China has said, if we can't make you see the light, America, we will make you feel the heat. And that was shown in the uh, very sharp exchanges in Alaska, but also, I think, shown in these uh, looming restrictions with uh, gallium and germanium. They're not only important uh, uh, inputs for semiconductors, but also for high-powered radar, which, of course, is crucial for uh, many aspects of the American military. So I think China is showing that 
it's willing to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the U.S. Uh, and make them feel the heat. So what does China want, uh, to answer your question, I think is the recognition uh, that China really is an equal of the United States. And what's happening in the U.S. is that it's going through uh, these five stages of grief uh, from uh, denial, anger, bargaining, uh, depression, and acceptance. So I would say that Secretary Yellen is certainly in the bargaining phase, but we still have key Republicans, some others in the U.S. that are still in the uh, denial and anger phase. So I think what China's hoping for is uh, for the U.S. Uh, to move as quickly as possible to the acceptance phase, and that will lead to a much more harmonious, prosperous, and uh, peaceful world. Okay, but but what about the, the election next year, of course? And, and as I said, you know, investing political capital when when everything could change again next year, at the end of next year. Well, here's the ironic thing. Uh, so. I think that's a very good point. I think uh, certainly uh, working with whoever's in power at the time is still a Chinese priority. But if Trump does get reelected, I think here's something to, to note. It could be in some ways very positive for China. He's on record uh, saying that uh, Taiwan is uh, very close to China and uh, far away from the U.S. So what can we effing do about it, which some have interpreted to mean that uh, he recognizes the writing on the wall and may act in a very pragmatic way. So, Adrian, you know, that could be an argument that uh, it might make sense to wait and see what happens in 2024. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, time is always precious. And I think that, uh, you know, China has been uh, very vigorous in pursuing diplomacy, not just with the United States, but with uh, the EU, uh, many other countries around the world, Saudi Arabia, Iran, the Solomon Islands, uh, Honduras. Uh, and I don't think that will change. Paul, um, would you agree with what Andy was, was saying there about the, the anger phase and the acceptance phase? And we heard something similar from uh, uh, Warwick uh, in, in our report at the beginning of the program when he was talking about the, the US not realizing that we're at the beginning of a new multipolar world order and that the US is still hoping and wishing that things were different. Yeah, well, I think that's a, that maybe that maybe a good way to characterize it. But I think um, you know that in the U.S. there's 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 sort of this new bipartisan agreement that China represents this this uh, this threat and some some term it an existential threat um, to to U.S. interests. And so you have this this policy that the Biden administration has adopted called align, invest, and compete. And and the alignment part of that is building uh, coalitions in Europe and in Asia. Uh, with an eye to sort of containing China's rise as as a technology power, so this is this is this is sort of a sea change in in Washington that I think um, will will survive um, a, even a change in uh, in administration. And so the the challenge then for China uh, is to is to is to determine how to engage uh, with uh, give, given the sort of the the, the 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 this bipartisan agreement on China and try to get back to some level. Uh, of, of normality in, in terms of diplomacy, and that, that's what we're seeing with with, with these visits now. Uh, and I think China, though, is 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 taking a longer term view, and, and okay. it is concerned about 
uh, the potential in, in 2024 for there to be a you know a change in administration. Uh, but I think they're 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 sort of in Beijing. I think officials you know are are not don't have any uh, any any. Uh, uh, illusion that that U.S. policy is going to change significantly, and you know, to go back to some uh, to the sort of Obama era, or or you know, an era where 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 there were there was a, a you know a different approach to China, uh, and China wasn't wasn't really viewed at, at that point as a as yeah. as, uh, as it is now in Washington as a real the peer a peer competitor, the only peer competitor, and a, and a okay. challenge and a threat. And right. So that that U.S. policy is not going to change. Okay, um, well, even I, with a change in administration, I think Beijing has to adapt. Okay, I'm to, sorry, to sorry, that reality. sorry to close you down, Paula, but time is 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 against us. I want to get a couple oh, of questions into Elizabeth and, and Andy. Elizabeth, to what extent then are um, economic and trade relations key here to maintaining uh, a stable, courteous relationship between the two countries? No matter what the tension on on human rights issues, Taiwan, territorial uh, disputes, and such, the two need each other. For the for the sake of their economies, yeah, the economies are are definitely so intertwined that uh, decoupling is going to be very difficult. I know this term de-risking is being thrown around um, rather than decoupling. Uh, the, the, there are two things you know that are going on. Um, you know, of course, in China there is um, something in, akin to a indigenization program going on. It's called Made in China 2025. And Xi Jinping came up with this um, just a few years ago. And the intent for that is uh, to make China less reliant on the United States and the rest of the world. That is the Chinese economy, but also the civil military you know, fusion industry, less reliant on the United States and the West, but to make the West more dependent on the Chinese economy. And so, um, as you can see, uh, what has been happening in China in recent years is the regrowth of the state in the economy. You know, since Deng Xiaoping's reform and opening, which started in 1979, China had, moved, had been moving toward adopting more market-oriented um, principles. Um, but after Xi Jinping came to power in 2012, and then that it, it, it accelerated, and especially with the appointment of um, He Lifeng as um, vice premier with an economic portfolio, you see the reintroduc reintroduction of the okay. state. And yeah, uh, yeah Janet Yellen yeah. is saying we need more market um, principles there, not more mm. state. So okay. that's a really big difference. Uh Elizabeth, again, sorry, sorry to butt in. We've got about a, a minute and a half left. Andy, um, Janet Yellen said that her visit was aimed at putting a floor under uh, the turbulence in the relationship between the two countries. Uh, did she did she do that? Do you think? And um, uh, where do you see the, the, the relationship going now? They, when all is said and done, the two countries need each other, don't they? I think uh, certainly there is some dependencies. Um, but I think that uh, deeds, not words. So what will determine the future of the relationship will be American actions, not so much uh, the rhetoric. Uh, certainly China is prepared for any eventuality uh, that happens. But uh, I think, you know, the hope is that there is a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow uh, that uh, that. Uh, Yellen's visit represents, and that there can be a win-win outcome, as the Chinese like to say. Okay, uh, there we're going to have to leave it. Many thanks indeed to all of you, Paul Triolo, Elizabeth Leras, 
and uh, Andy Mock. And that's it. This episode was produced by Mohamed El Aichi, Katia Lopez Horayan, and Abla Kla and Jim Gilchrist. Studio sound was by Yara Atala. The program was edited by Alex Kola, Khaled Sultan, and Joe de Frias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. And thanks for listening. Tune in on Tuesday for our next episode. This week on The Take, as it becomes a hub for illegal drug production, has Syria become a narco state? That's The Take by Al Jazeera. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.